You are listening to The Shredcast. No tendies, baby. Yeah. It's the health code for snowboarders. Let's send it. All right, welcome back to The Shredcast, everyone. Today, I'm super stoked because we have another doctor of physical therapy who actually specializes in working with snowboarders. So this is Dr. Vince Ho of Prestige Performance Physical Therapy. He believes that movement is medicine and to be able to use this to create longevity both in this sport and also just in general life. He focuses on keeping people active after injury and helping with pain and discomfort so you can continue to live without depending on medications, surgeries, or injections. He really just wants to take that preventative care a step forward so that you can depend less on physical therapists and more on yourself. So welcome, Vincent. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's awesome being here and ready to talk about snowboarding in the middle of August. So always <laughs> a good time, you know, regardless of the season. I know. Uh, I mean, it's coming yeah. close. We're like 90 days away. I know. You know, just I live in California. So Mammoth just closed in the beginning of August. And now they're reopening in 100 days. It's just like <laughs> three months. So it's, it's crazy yeah. seeing how this year has changed so much. And hopefully we can get this every year. I know, seriously. Were you able to make it up in any of their like summer sessions? I did. I went uh, in the beginning of July, actually, which is crazy, right? You, yeah. you know, everyone's like wearing t-shirts. Um, everyone's getting sunburned. The snow is just so soft. It's like a totally different um, mm -hmm. environment to be in compared to your winter seasons, where it's usually hard packed, icy. So it's just so different, but also so much more fun because, you know, you're not limited by your big jackets right so yeah just yeah no I went up mm -hmm. I went up to Mammoth in I think it was like the middle of June so mm -hmm. a little bit sooner for you but yeah same thing super hot and slushy and then I went to Mount Hood after that so same kind of condition so mm -hmm. I honestly like the slush more which I know is controversial but I would honestly rather ride in slush <laughs> yeah yeah me too I think slush is awesome um but you know you get that new feeling of like that drag which is different, you know, you gotta get your speed up. So it makes it so mm -hmm. much harder. Yeah, and catching edges is so prevalent. The snow just starts like piling on your board. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing too, is like learning how to get that all like wiped off and make sure, you know, you're going down at a good speed um, and so forth. Yeah, well, so kind of jumping into it, um, obviously you mentioned you're from California. And so I just kind of wanted to talk about like, how you grew up, like your life, how you got into snowboarding. Were you always from California? And if so, as another person who's from California, how did you kind of get into that? Because I know it's not necessarily the most common thing. Yeah, in California, we, well, I live in Southern California. So there's only about three big resorts that you can go to here, which is Big Bear, um, Mountain High, and if you drive a little further, further, Mammoth. So I started snowboarding when I was about 15 years old, uh, pretty young. and just like a lot of people, I was brought onto mountain without any coaches, nothing. So we all remember our first snowboard, first time snowboarding, where um, you know you're probably borrowing friends' jackets, using things um, out of the house to go out to the slopes. I remember wearing blue jeans out there because I didn't know any better. I didn't, I didn't know what was yeah. going on, <laughs> and so I was just at <laughs> Big Bear, and I remember looking at Summit Run. You know, it was a beginner run, but it was like the longest run of my life. And I remember I spent almost like five hours just running down Summit Run like twice, um, <laughs> right? And so when I started snowboarding, I fell, you know, 
I got back out, kept falling, and it's kind of a crazy thing that you, your first time snowboarding, you think it's gonna be enjoyable, but it really, really most likely is not really enjoy, enjoyable because you're falling half the time, you're trying to push yourself up, and then the next day, if you know, you're lucky to not get injured, you're just sore, like crazy sore. Like I haven't felt that soreness in so long and my whole life actually. Um, yeah. And then just getting that motivation to do it again, right? Keep doing it again, learning more and more. Um, but in the end, after, you know, a few times, I finally got into it and started snowboarding more. And so mm -hmm. um, that's kind of where I started snowboarding. And then I went to school at UC Irvine, right? They, they have a really good snowboarding team there. And mm -hmm. that's kind of where I fell in love with, you know, being moved, uh, being involved with movement. Um, I graduated UC Irvine with my pharmaceutical science degree kind of weird because I'm a physical therapist now because I decided to switch careers, right? I realized that uh, maybe medications is not my type of philosophy in getting people better. Um, yeah. So movement is more because I loved going to gym and I love snowboarding. So then I pursued my uh, physical, therapy physical therapy degree at the University of Southern California where I got my doctor of physical therapy. I then pursued um, my strength and conditioning specialist. So the certified strength and conditioning um, specialty. And then I also pursued a therapeutic pain specialist at Purdue University. And that's more of understanding pain science and understanding the source of people's pain. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of my professional life and that aspect with some love for snowboarding. Yeah, so I really got more into snowboarding after I graduated college. Because when you're younger, you know, um, I didn't have much money. Right. So yeah. snowboarding is a very extensive sport, in my opinion, and a hard barrier to entry. But once once you get into it, it's it's a world of fun and my favorite sport in the whole wide world. Yeah, definitely. So if you went to undergrad at UCI, did um like I know a few people uh that were on the ski and snowboard team because I was on the ski and snowboard team at my college. So did mm -hmm. you do any of the comps through that? I didn't do any comps actually. No. I was more of a um just like recreational rider. You know, I would just yeah. love to just kind of go ride once in a while and come back and just soak it in. And then I took a break from riding for a little while. And then once I finished their physical therapy, I, you know, uh, got more into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Super sick. Super sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. So you got your physical therapy degree and now you're starting your own business. So how did you kind of jump into that? And you want to talk a little bit more about your philosophy with pain management and root cause and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So I've been in the physical therapy field for about 10 years, right? Starting off the, at the very beginning where I was a physical therapy aide, where all you need is a high school degree to get into that job position. Um, and then I worked my way up into getting my doctor of physical therapy, going through rotations, studying. And then I started practicing um, out of other uh, outpatient clinics in California, in Pasadena in Glendale, just around the area. And I eventually decided that I wanted to start my own business because the main problem that I found with treating some of my clients was insurance. Insurances were cut, kind of cutting off people short from what they want to do recreationally. Um, unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover like snowboard rehab, snowboard specific rehab. They limit their benefits to just being able to uh, walk be able to function daily. Um, but then, in my opinion, that 
physical therapy doesn't should not end where it stops, you know, where you, where you can walk and function daily. You should be able to go in back into doing what you love, hobbies, stuff like that. So that's yeah. when I decided to start my own therapy clinic where I don't technically work with insurance companies. However, uh, I do offer services that clients can be get reimbursed for from their insurance companies. Um, gotcha. So just a different, uh, basically a roadmap for someone to get back into snowboarding and, you know, get their rehab the best that they can because snowboarding is a very body taxing sport believe it or not um, most people when they go snowboarding they want to basically get stay on the mountain all day you know get value out of your time driving there and so your body has to be able to handle such load and stress for that long and just because someone's able to just walk and function daily doesn't mean they're ready to go snowboarding yeah hundred percent. It's super taxing. And also if you are getting injured and you do have to go to a physical therapist for that injury and you're kind of brought back to just that like normal daily function, that's very different from like snowboard function, as you kind of mentioned. So do you kind of want to talk about like what is different about like snowboard physical therapy and like snowboard performance versus like the typical route that someone would take? Yeah. So with snowboarders, I categorize them into three sub niches. You have your park riders, your freestyle riders, and then you have the all mountain riders, and then you have the powder day riders. Um, so with all three niches, I had to think about what are some external factors that are involved? What are some internal factors that are involved? And what are some peripheral factors that are involved? External factors means what we can see normally, uh, external meaning like your body, your strength, your conditioning, how well your balance is, stuff that is very easy to target and treat. Um, you know, as trainers, uh, co coaches, that's the main focus of our, our treatment. And then we have the internal factors, right? Internal factors meaning what's going on in the mind of these snowboarders, right? After an injury, they may have fear of returning back to their sport. Um, maybe they went to the doctor and the doctor said, you shouldn't snowboard anymore because your knee has arthritis and it's probably a really bad idea to go back. Yeah. And the misconception of once you get past 30 to 40 or 50 years old, your snowboarding days are over just because you're older, right? So those are the factors that I'm taking account for and trying to debunk, right? Because it's most likely a myth that they can't return back to their snowboarding unless they have a really significant um, orthopedic problem or neurological problem. As long yeah, as yeah. they get the right coaches, the right programming, and just the right healthcare, I believe a lot of people can return back to the mountain, believe it or not. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the trend that uh, is going out today uh, and the future is that strength training and um, like age is really something that we have to really um, take. It's um, connected. Yeah, connect, yeah, it's like connected. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. how much you strength train correlates to your ability to do like high performance things for longer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, some, it's exactly what your, um, your mission is, right? Getting people stronger with snowboarding and just getting that awareness of relating strength training, just training, in general, aerobic training, strength and conditioning 
and then translate it into uh, snowboarding. Which... Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a big part of that too is like kind of going into the biomechanics of snowboarding and like common injury patterns and stuff. Like majority of injuries, not all, and not necessarily just in snowboarding, but just kind of in all sports happen in the transverse plane. So in that twisting motion is when a lot of times things will tear or like your bones naturally can withstand a lot of compression and shear, but not, or compression forces, but not shear forces. So that twisting. And um, so I think the like misconception in a lot of like strength training is people do just those common movement patterns of like up and down, like what you would see in like running and just moving like forward, up and down, side to side, stuff like that. Um, but they don't incorporate a lot of those twisting motions, which I think is so, so crucial. And having like proper strength in those areas, not just like range of motion, but like strength through range of motions in those areas, I think is absolutely huge for snowboarders, especially if you look at just the biomechanics of what you're doing when you're snowboarding, you're always twisting, even if you're just going down the mountain. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're twisting just to even look straight down the mountain, you know, so if you're pre-positioned into this twisting motion, in order for you to move out of it, you have to twist. And a lot of the rehab doesn't focus on twisting because daily function, uh, unfortunately, doesn't revolve around the twisting very much, right? The most you're probably gonna twitch is, or twist is to reach behind your driver's seat to grab something off the back you know, seat or whatever, or yeah. grab your seatbelt, just something like that. Um, so when it comes down to adding some velocity component, sliding down the mountain, with gravity being put upon you, with um, uneven surfaces. You know, when you're going down mountains, never usually flat. There's usually little small hills and creases that you gotta navigate through, or you can catch an edge. And when you catch an edge like that and you're not prepared for the landing, that might be devastating. It could really ruin yeah. some, you know, snowboarding season. Yeah, so. and it might throw you into that transverse plane, into that twisting movement. And if your body's not already built to be able to withstand that, then you'll be a lot more likely to injure yourself than the rather. So, mm -hmm. exactly. So, yeah. Completely so agree. I think that's absolutely huge in strength and conditioning for snowboarders, and I think it's so like uncommon because people hear strength and conditioning, they think like bodybuilder training, which I think a lot of those like heavy movements is good, and I think it should be incorporated. But I think that there's other components that are often forgotten in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I like doing, or I like training my clients through like high intensity interval training, um, yeah. kind of like CrossFit style where you have a lot of different exercises and different types of movements that you're not very familiar with, but you have to learn on the spot, um, which then gets your mind to work a little bit more and really challenge your body to move a different way to activate different muscles that you probably haven't even activated before. So yeah. that's a yeah. really and great I focus that I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a, a thing that I love to do too is like supersets or even just large circuits where you are incorporating like strength moves, but then you're also like getting your heart rate up kind of with that like high intensity interval training. So you're really killing two birds with one stone, which I think is sick. And I think helps a lot with snowboarders because it correlates more directly to snowboarding. When you're going down, you're not just doing one or the other. Like you're incorporating that aerobic training but you're also doing strength while you're like holding a squat for the entire time or even if you're going into like freestyle stuff like you need to have that ability to get in and out of movements while also like your heart rate's up and high and you're like in high altitudes and you can't get as much air so I think it's really important to incorporate all those things together yeah 
especially when you're talking about different the different sub niches, right? When you have like the park and freestyle, we're we're thinking more about rehabbing and strength training through explosive power movements. You know, mm -hmm. coordinating your your ability to jump onto this box, coordinating your body to twist when you're in air, just coordinating a lot of different aspects of your body awareness as well as strength and conditioning. Uh, when we take a look at the other groups like powder riders, now, they're unlikely to do a lot of you know high velocity of twisting, um, jumping compared to the park riders. So their training is going to be different. And then when we look at the all mountain riders, we have to incorporate basically everything because they want to you know, dab their toes into everything. So yeah. understanding what each person's goals are and working towards their preferred style riding is super important, just like what you mm -hmm. talked about, right? Um, everyone needs a little bit of cardio, everyone needs a little bit of strength, but what's the ratio when we talk about yeah. what they like to ride? Yeah, definitely. Especially if like you, these people are doing like lots of power, like mm -hmm. you're holding some strength for a long period of time, your quads are going to be burning. So it's super important that you're building all of that stamina up and that muscle endurance. Oh yeah. There, there are times at the end of the day where my, my quads are cramping up and I, I think I'm a guy that does train pretty often. I train four to five days a week um, and I'm still getting like that fatigue even at the end of the day. And so I could imagine how someone else may feel if they don't train as much, how much of a struggle it might be to be able to go to stand the mountain for that long. Um, so that's kind of what I'm trying to fix is help people learn and connect the dots of strength training and snowboarding. Yeah, yeah, and proper nutrition to okay. reduce that yeah. amount of uh, cramping. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's uh, another topic that <laughs> we got to talk into. That's but a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one. Yeah, cramping is one of those things you're not sure if it's really nutrition, you know, water or just your recovery or your muscle strength that's limiting you. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So do you kind of want to dive into like your strategies and techniques more so in that like pain management, root cause, like those kinds of things, since I know that that's really huge for a lot of people. They're super into um, preventative measures right now. So absolutely. Yeah. So I got my therapeutic pain specialist at Purdue University. And what, what that means is I'm special. I'm a specialist in teaching people about pain. Right. When you go to a physical therapy office, most of the time they just treat your problem and then they have you leave the door. Right. They never really connect the dots of why you have pain, what's the cause of it and how to prevent it. It's like the uh, analogy that I like to say is when you have a problem with your car, you can either learn how to fix it yourself, which is very time consuming, a lot of energy, or you go to someone that knows how to do it and you just pay them and the job gets done. Um, yeah. So the route that I'm trying to go towards and helping people learn about their body is the, you know, go to therapy. I teach you about the body, the pain science, how the pain is processed in the body. And then so you can relate that to not just your injury that you're experiencing now, but in the future when you do have pain again, because pain is a normal experience everyone has. And it's your alarm system to tell you that you need to change something about your life so that you can you know, succeed in your health or movement or whatever. Yeah. So with the treatments that I provide is I usually spend about 15 minutes at the beginning of the session just talking about pain, teaching them about pain, how the nervous system dictates the body and dictates 
the feeling and sensation of nociception, right? Nociception is just another word for um, the, sense, uh, the signals that get sent up to our brain. And then our brain processes that as either pain, a threat and pain, or a threat and no pain, right? So um, something that you may have experienced before is like a bruise or a cut in your body, right? Um, those are issue or those are experiences of tissue damage, but sometimes you may not even have pain and you don't even notice it, right? And sometimes when you do have a cut, you may have pain. And so this, there's kind of like that two aspects where, okay, tissue damage causes pain or tissue damage does not cause pain. And so I'm just trying to help people debunk that through teaching them about the nerve system and how to get someone's nerve system back to normal after a serious injury. Mm -hmm. 100%. And I think there are so many things out there right now that are super hot, whether it's in the physical therapy realm or just in the fitness realm in general of like fast fixes to pain or what I like to call just like pain management tools. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they might work in the sense that they're decreasing your pain, but you're not getting to the root cause. You're not actually fixing anything. And so it will come back and it might come back worse or you could possibly injure yourself because you're not getting to that root cause so exactly so like a uh a, the, the, the duration of acute pain um let me say it again the duration of acute pain predicts chronic pain and there right. are stu studies that show like if you have acute pain for a long period of time you're going to develop into chronic pain much more easier and when you have chronic pain that's a whole another you know, challenge that we have to go through, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's basically, what I'm saying is the more you know about pain, the less you fear pain, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like that saying when people are scared to go into the ocean because they don't know what's underneath the ocean, right? But the, yeah. the, the more you understand what's underneath and how the body works and how it processes pain and how to understand your pain signals, you're better off in life, recovery, rehab, and returning back to normal sports. Yeah. And you're more likely to be able to prevent it properly too. Cause I exactly. mean, the biggest thing and what I like teach my clients and stuff is that kind of what you were talking pre previously about is like those nerve receptors and how we like everything in our body works because of our brain. And so our muscles work because of the nerves that are sent to our brain, they send the signal to either contract or contract less or whatever. Mm -hmm. And all of our muscles work together. Our whole body functions together. So if you are getting pain or you're getting swelling or whatever, like the response may be, rather than just focusing on treating the swelling, which is the response, maybe looking at, well, the way that any of this ever occurs is through our neuroreceptors. So what is going on in that pathway that could be triggering these responses to pain, such as swelling, but that's not necessarily the issue itself. Actually, it's not the issue itself. It's not the swelling. It's not the, the whatever you may be having. It's how are your muscles functioning? Why is one muscle possibly overused over the other muscle and all those kinds of things that trigger thing, uh, trigger responses like that? Exactly. You actually made a really good point about uh, swelling and how a lot, a lot of us focus too much on swelling. Uh, in my opinion, swelling is just a byproduct of a you know, so, uh, um, issue and a response to tissue damage or immune response or your body's alarm system. Uh, swelling is very important to heal the body. Uh, the reason why people have swelling is because you have these big cells 
right? You have these cells that heal up any damaged tissues. They go into that area. Just like if you call 911 and all those people come, police department, fire department, paramedics, everyone comes to that one spot. Everyone goes into that knee to help heal it up. And once it's healed up, they slowly go away. Um, but the root cause most likely may not be um, the knee or whatever is that. It may be neighboring joints that limit that motion that result in swelling. So personally, I had this uh, problem actually when I started snowboarding. Um, my technique was not very good. I used to lock out my knees when I'm riding toe side, right? I think a lot of people experience that, especially if it's your first time or first couple of seasons, you realize that it's easy to just lock out your knees and ride. But at the end of the day, the next day, my knees were just so swollen. I didn't understand what happened. I didn't like fall or anything. It became like a watermelon, but I didn't have pain at all. It was weird. Um, but eventually I realized after watching other people snowboard and listening to different coaches, it's like, you got to bend your knees. You got to absorb that shock that the body mm -hmm. is going through, not just letting the knee joint extend out and letting all that pressure go through it. So yeah. that's a little bit of a, my experience with swelling and <laughs> poor body mechanics. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's so common. Like you see even not in snowboarding, just in like athletics in general, so many people don't like have that athletic stance of bending your knees and like your knees are your shock, shock absorber. And I think so many people are like, think of the knees as like the craziest joint in the world. They're the hardest joint. They're like always taking the hit. But I think the biggest thing is that the knee itself is actually a really simple joint that's in between two very complex joints. And people don't use utilize the knee how it's meant to be, which is in that shock absorbent. And especially when you're snowboarding, like I've had people ask me, because I always preach like being able to get in and out of a full range of motion, especially in like a squat, both in your ankle, your knees and your hips. Mm -hmm. And I've had so many people be like, well, why do you need to be in a full squat? You're not in a full squat when you're snowboarding. I'm like, well, when you absorb anything, you should be for a second. You should absorb that fully because otherwise exactly what you were saying earlier your knees are not using what they should be and then it can lead to swelling and other issues. So I think that's super huge. Yeah, exactly. I like, like the idea, like what you said, using the joint through its full motion. Um, most people, they, they think like you're snowboarding, you're in that you know, squat stance, you're probably not gonna squat more than 90 degrees. Um, however, I think that's important because especially with uh, new, new riders, you know, people that ride, have been riding under two years, they'll be falling a lot and they're gonna have to get up from the ground a lot. And when you're attached to a snowboard on a slippery surface, that's not easy unless you have the proper strength to do it. Um, so in that scenario, we would have to train people through the full range of motion in their knees, hips, and ankles. We're gonna have to train people's upper extremity strength, right? To able to push yourself in a dip position if you're on your back or do a push up, you know, mm -hmm. to get yourself up. And so a lot of the upper body is also neglected for these new, newer riders, I'd say. And an interesting study is that um, there's a study that was done over 10 years where they just analyzed different injuries of different populations and snowboard injuries. And the most common injuries were wrist injuries, actually. Um, because the, about 44% of people that do get injured, it's their first year riding right first year riding you're probably going to get injured so basically one in every two new people that ride get injuries and then every like one and four people that ride 
have risk problems or risk injuries that are starting. So when we're talking about like skill level, you got the new riders where we have to focus a lot on the squat, the upper extremity strength, the power to stand up, um, a little bit of endurance. And then you got the intermediate riders where they're not going to fall as much, but then they're going to need more hip strength, knee strength, ankle strength. And then you have the more advanced riders where they may be in the park more, they may be twisting their body more, they may be just doing more harder, more um, explosive exercises that we have to account for. So depending on everyone's skill level, we have to cater, you know, different types of programming. And that's what makes programming and personalized programming so important. We can't just mm -hmm. get a cookie cutter programming from Google and hope that we yeah. get the best results, right? <laughs> well, they'll tell you to do like an air squat and then like some air lunges and like, that's about it, so. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I just looked up, up some today actually just to see what's out there and exactly what you said, air lunges, squats, um, no significant resistance and especially nothing that is involved with being attached to a plank, right? Which yeah. changes- And no time. plyometrics, like mm -hmm. nothing like that, which is crazy. It is extremely crazy. Uh, but yeah. it makes sense. You know, I think we're slowly understanding the importance of strength training in sports. Um, mm -hmm. You know, this is an interesting thing uh, that I read the other day. It's, it's um, from a book called Relentless by Tim Grover. Have you mm -hmm. heard of that book before? Mm -mm. So and, and that book is about uh, this personal trainer that trained Michael Jordan, the basketball player. And yeah. Michael Jordan never really had a personal trainer uh, at the bull uh, while his time playing on the bulls in the beginning, uh, because he was, he, he just didn't trust them. He liked doing things his own way, but it wasn't until he felt like he was being pushed around too much by the bigger guys that he needed some more muscle to really combat their, their, you know, his, his problems. So he, he hired a personal trainer and his results just changed dramatically. Just like that, you know, just having mm -hmm. an extra strength training and yeah. that conditioning and just someone to keep them accountable. Yeah, I agree. I think the thing that I really preach is that, yeah, you don't necessarily need it if you don't have like major goals or not even major goals, minor goals. You could get away without doing it. However, that's what I did for a very long amount of time. I've been snowboarding for like five, six seasons, but I was snowboarding like over a hundred days a season. So I was doing it quite often and I was never really making like those improvements that I wanted to see. It was just always kind of like, oh, I might get it this day. I might get it that day. Like it was never anything great until I started implementing like specific training regimens and like learning about what my body actually needs in order to improve in snowboarding. And I was able to improve in literally 20 days so much faster than I did in three years. So it's like, yeah, you could get away without doing it, but you're going to exponentially increase your progression and your sports performance by having just like a personalized training regimen and just small things here and there that just make a huge difference. Exactly. Yeah. And just to have another opinion, perhaps sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we think we know everything, but no, we really don't. There's so much more to learn every single day. Uh, watching your video recordings, like I think you, you yeah. do normally is in such a great way to understand how you feel versus how you look. Mm -hmm. And so when we have those two things connect, that's when you get really good performance and you really change the way you move and get better at, you know, getting those you know, boxes, box jumps well, or just jumps well, or the carving done right, just stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, 
a big part of that is just knowing like even if you watch your videos and you're like okay like that wasn't great but I don't know how to improve like either reaching out to a coach that knows more than you do or even just watching other people's videos like take like a 360 for example something I struggle with is I always just keep rotating once I land and it mm -hmm. wasn't until like a coach pointed out to me it was like oh well if you dig in your toe on your back foot the second that you hit the snow that stops your rotation but I would have never like understood that until I watched him do it so mm -hmm. it's just pinpointing like small little movements, but also having the like ability to do that. If you have like a bad knee or you're not strong and you try to dig in your toe edge to stop rotation, you could end up like over rotating your knee if you're not like properly training for these kinds of things. So it all goes hand in hand with stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Just being open to feedback, I think is super important when you're doing this stuff. And just like you said, trying different things, seeing how it works and just feeling it out. And don't be afraid to fall, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you you only fail if you stop trying, right? And so if you fall, no big deal. You know, we've all fell on the ski lift and chair lift and caused a huge uh, <laughs> uh, traffic, traffic jam. But you know what? We learned from it every single time. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So kind of pivoting a little bit, obviously you started your own business in physical therapy. Obviously you're a snowboarder and that's like really what you want to focus in on. But um, I'm sure you also work with like a wider range of sports and activities. So do you kind of want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So snowboarding is my favorite thing to do, you know, every year, but unfortunately it's not year round. Right. So I got to occupy myself through other methods. So I specialize in treating not just snowboarders, but also CrossFit athletes, powerlifting athletes, and just weight training athletes. I feel like they tie in so synergistically together. Um, and then I could even uh, basically share my experience with snowboarders to these athletes and they can start snowboarding as well because they have the proper level of you know, strength, conditioning, uh, power. And so it just ties in amazingly. And I think that's just one of the things that I love about uh, just being active, right? It doesn't have to be about weightlifting it could be as something as easy as going outside playing basketball right or going outside and playing pickleball tennis mm -hmm. it is some sort of activity right to get to get you started but then to get to the next level you might have to add in the other variables of strength training and so forth and so that's when we tie in again how to lift weights properly how to move with resistance how to use our body and rotate properly use the right muscles and learn about the mind to understand how to move better and prevent injuries. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I like to preach just being an athletic individual. Like if you train like this, you're just, you're just going to be more athletic. You're going to be able to transfer these skills to a lot of other things. And mm -hmm. then that kind of just goes in with the cross training aspect that you mentioned. Like for me personally, I love going to the gym. I go four or five days a week, but I'm not always doing like snowboard specific training. I'm not always doing like athletic training. Like sometimes it's fun to just go pick heavy things up and set them down. <laughs> so I mean, like, exactly. I think it's good to be able to implement all those things so that when you do want to go do something different, like, yeah, you might not be amazing at it, but you at least know that your body's capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And to kind of go off of that, um, I think there's, a misconception that you you have to uh or how, how should i say it you're even though i've been training for so many years 
there's still so much more that I need to train and get stronger at. Um, yeah. I don't just train just to go snowboarding. I just train to be healthy. You know, yeah. you're going to improve your mental health. Um, you're going to improve your physical health. You're going to improve just the health of all your organs. It's just so much more that goes into the weightlifting, the cardio, um, all that stuff and picking up heavy weights, right? You get that confidence that, okay, if I'm able to deadlift 200 pounds, I feel like I could be able to snowboard fairly easily. Um, just <laughs> stuff like that, that you, you get so much benefit from just being active and testing your body into these different ways. Um, mm -hmm. And your body is very resilient. Uh, it's very crazy to understand, like we would think our bodies are very frail, but when we put ourselves through different strenuous activities, the body adapts. Um, yeah. You know, so that's another thing that's pretty awesome. The body just keeps adapting to whatever stimulus we provide it as long as it's gradual. Yeah, I agree. And I think like that's what's so cool about both snowboarding and also just like fitness in general is that you never hit like a stopping point. Like there's always something new. Once you reach that next goal, there's always going to be a next goal. And there's always going to be something that you can improve upon. You're never going to hit like, okay, I guess I'm done here. Like, especially mm -hmm. if you fall into that cycle of wanting to improve and wanting to progress, like you're just going to keep going and it's never going to end. And I find that really fun because I personally enjoy working towards a goal. And I think most people do, and they feel like they have something that they want to accomplish. And I think that's so cool that you can kind of tie those two things together. Right. Right. Let me tell you a secret here for uh, solving people's pain that I like <laughs> to call it the, the four pillars of solving someone's pain. The first one, the first one is understanding how pain works in the body. So the pain science aspect, you're not gonna overcome pain if you don't understand it. The second pillar is goal setting, right? We want something to look forward to. We want to push ourselves to reach that goal. It could be a small goal, but a really important goal. Once we achieve it, we feel that self-fulfillment that, self that we can accomplish it. The third thing is sleep, right? Sleep is such a huge topic, uh, important for recovery. The best in this class, you know, no, there's no massage gun or you know, anything you buy that could rep, uh, replace sleep, okay, yeah. right? And then the last thing is aerobic exercise, right? Just getting the heart rate to pump, getting the blood to circulate into those areas where we may have pain signals coming from, right? When blood pumps into those areas, it calms down the nervous system, which then can take us to the next step of curing someone's pain. So those are the four secrets in getting someone better. Yes, a hundred percent. Like people always ask me that about recovery and I'm like, just sleep, please. Yeah, <laughs> easier said than done. Easier said than done, man. It's always know, so hard I to know. sneak in on the weekends, but you know, <laughs> so super important. Most important thing yeah. I think ever. hundred percent, hundred percent. So I guess one more thing that I do want to kind of touch on is just um, obviously you're stationed in California, but I'm assuming you don't just treat in California. So how does that kind of work? How would people be able to work with you? Yeah. So I'm a licensed physical therapist in California. So if you're looking for a treatment that is catered towards a, diag a medical diagnosis, um, then I can only treat those in, if you're, if you live in California. Okay. And so if you're in Pasadena, I could treat you in person. If you're in, in California, but out of the area, we could treat you online. But if you're out of, out of California, then we'd have to go through something like online coaching where I'm not treating a specific medical diagnosis, but I'm helping you reach a goal. And so I can generally understand 
how things are going from talking to someone about what they need to accomplish, how to get someone to the next goal, and just slowly progress someone that way. So unfortunately, I could only coach outside of California. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is similar to what I do too, but um, always good to have like another person that can possibly work with someone on something more specific, even if it's not physical therapy itself, but just kind of movement and uh, management of possible pain or just movement specialty, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, coaching is basically just getting someone to, you know, excel, to get to reach their goal, their movement goal, their sport goal. And so analyzing someone's movement or just telling, telling me about your medical history, about what you're dealing with, that's good information for me to understand to redirect your roadmap to get you to where you want to be. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. just really getting to that goal and like tuning in that one-on-one -on -one of where you want to be, what kind of snowboarder are you and how does, like what future goals do you want in that realm? Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the, I guess the biggest challenge there is the time zone. Um, you can't really understand the mountain they're on or the weather condition. So a lot of different variabilities that it's, it can get kind of challenging what equipment they have. Um, yeah, is that something definitely. that you experience too when you coach people from Alice that you got to figure out how to, how to get their work at in or? Yeah, definitely, you know? definitely. Yeah. But you know, there's always like ways to, um, what's the word, like adapt. Mm -hmm. you, anything that you can do with weight, you can do without weight. And if someone's not regularly exercising, then uh, doing stuff without weight is typically fine for that immediate progression. And then once that gets too easy, then yeah, you have to find something else to keep up that resistance. But um, for the most part, like I like to tell people to just get creative, use things at home, fill up some jugs with water, um, grab your dog, your kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get backpack. Fill, fill it up with sand or fill it up with rocks or just fill it up with something heavy. Do some yeah, farmer's exactly. carriage with it. Just, just make, make things work. Yeah, exactly, there's unlimited 100%. possibilities. Unlimited possibilities exactly. of workouts. Exactly. So yeah, it's been super great. You've really provided some great value and some great takeaways for snowboarders, which is super cool. Um, just so everyone listening knows, uh, Dr. Vince is someone that I'm partnering with as a physical therapist. So if you need a physical therapist, I have a few that I'm partnered with and he is one of them, especially if you're in the Southern California area. So definitely go check him out. And then if you just want to share like how people can reach out to you, what platforms you're on your website, stuff like that, so that they can reach out if they need to. Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's been awesome chatting with you. Um, it's always also super nice to know that you're also from California. So we have a little bit of bond there going on. Uh, yeah, definitely. So people can find me on the, my website is the snowboardingdoc.com, which will redirect you to my physical therapy site. And on Instagram, my username is the snowboarding doc. So I just started. So if you could give me a follow, if you like my content, that'd be awesome. Yeah, super sick. And I'll have all of that linked down below for people as well. So yeah, thank you for coming on. It's been great. Awesome. Thank you so much.